His word's always good. And so I want to talk to you today about fatherhood, a call to holiness. Fatherhood, a call to holiness. A lot of times I don't preach Father's Day, Mother's Day, this, that. So it's out of, out of character sometimes for me to even do that when most churches are doing that. Um, I, but the Lord uh, laid this on my heart. If you got your Bibles, go with me to um, where will we be today? We will be in Genesis. Go to Genesis 35 if you got your Bibles. And uh, just before that, there was another message that was that was really burning on my heart, and this this verse really got to me. Maybe I'm getting older and sentimental now that I'm a grandfather, but uh, so uh, but pro- th- this isn't the sermon. This will just be it's a little extra for free today. But uh, Proverbs seventeen six. This this verse really hit me, uh, and I, I really uh, almost preached on this. But uh, it says this. It says uh, grandchildren are a crown to the aged. They're, they're crowned to the age. And the glory of children is their fathers. Okay? I want you to get that. It says, it says grandchildren are crowned to the aged. So it's like a, back in that day they would take a turban and put it on your head and it would be like you dress up the outfit with a turban. I mean, you're like decking it out like a little bling bling, like your tuxedo or you're really, you're really styling out there. And so that he's saying that, that grandchildren are the crown to the aged. And boy, you feel that way. I mean, that's the way you feel when you come into being a grandparent. But then it says, and the glory of children is their father. Did you notice what takes place in that verse? It's, it, the, the, the father is crowning the children. And, and, the, and the grandchildren are crowning the grandparents. Sorry, father. You get nothing. Right? You get nothing. But you do get the promise of being a grandparent one day, and then you get to wear the crown. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. It's a great thing. It's saying if fathers will pour into their children and sacrifice and give them what they need, train them up, discipline them, that he's their crown by doing those things. And then later he'll be rewarded with them having children and, and, and having grandchildren. And it's a, it's a true statement. It is a true statement, and it's a very interesting proverb that Solomon writes there. That uh, so, so dads, pour in, be a crown to your family, be a crown to your children. It's worth every bit of sacrifice. It's, it's worth every bit of discipline. That's why the Bible tells you don't provoke them to anger. Don't, don't, don't. It, it gives you so much instruction. It says bring them up in the discipline of the Lord uh, so that they'll have the readiness to face life, so that they'll grow up and they'll know how to deal with life. They'll, they'll, they'll be ready to handle the situations that life throws at them. That's how you're the crown to your children and then later they'll bring you children and then you get to spoil them and do whatever you want with them because they're your crown, right? Right? So it's awesome. It's awesome. And so God's Word is so perfect. I was just, just really meditating on that and thinking about uh, how, how fathers are... A, what, what that's saying is you're the beauty of your children. You're to beautify them. You're to beautify them by being the dads that the Scripture tells you to be. And then they beautify us later when, as we're grandparents and as we age. And it's really an awesome thing. But uh, today, that's not what we're talking about. That's just a little extra there. Let me pray and we'll talk about fatherhood, a call to holiness. Father, you are so good. You are the ultimate father and the ultimate example of a father. And God, I thank you for every godly man here. I thank you for every father. I thank you for my father that's in this, uh, not only my heavenly father, but my earthly father who I have, Lord, uh, here today with me. And God, I'm so grateful for that. I have my father. I have my, my two sons, God, and I'm so grateful for that. Grateful for the men that they have become. Grateful for the men in this church, God, that I got to hang out with and enjoy. They're my friends, God. They're brothers and companions in Christ. And Lord, I need them in my life and in this journey. And Father, help us to, uh, to uh, God, to, to embrace the call 
to walk out a holy life, God. Sanctification is not just a, a one-time thing, God, just a, just a waving of the magic wand and then we become perfect. No, God, it, it, it's a journey. And Father, I believe we're going to see that today in the life of Jacob. And God, we're going to see how to walk out that journey and how it affects our children. And Lord, uh, help us to do it well. Help me to do it well, God. I haven't done it, done it perfectly, God, that's for sure. I've made a lot of mistakes, but I hope I've done it honestly. And I hope that, uh, Lord, I come to a place like Jacob. I've really seen something in this, in this scripture, God, that is uh, uh, another step that I want to achieve in my, in my journey, God, that will affect what my sons, what I'm modeling, God, and the legacy that I'm, that I'm showing and leaving to them. So, God, help us in this journey today. Help my sons as they have children to do this as well. Help everyone in this room. It's not just for fathers today. It, this, this can be applicable to all of us in this room today. And Father, we just thank you for that. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Sermon's going to be relevant to everybody. Even though it says fatherhood, a call to holiness, moms don't zone out because it's relevant to you as well. It's relevant to everybody, young people. And so uh, let me see how many will recognize the song. Don't yell it out because you probably will, except for the young, youngins in the room maybe. But uh, let me see if you'll know this song. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in a usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away, and he was talking before I knew it, and as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know, I can't even hardly read the doggone song without crying every time I hear it. My mom and dad used to play this mess, and I was thinking, you know, why are you playing this torture to yourself? So, <laughs> you didn't appreciate when you were a child the, 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 uh, the story and the song. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, uh, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I'd say, I said, uh, not today. I got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he, and he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. It said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know I'm going to be like him. Well, he came from college just the other day. So much like a man, I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and then he said with a smile, what I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle. The kids have the flu, but it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. What's that song? Cats in the Cradle, right? Harry Chapin, for the people who don't know it. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and it's, a, it's a song that I remember hearing my parents listening to. And I remember hearing that song, and I didn't appreciate the messages of songs. I just wanted to hear a good tune or whatever, you know, it better sound good and all that. But, but, uh, um, but, but, but it, 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 it was a song that was over and over again. And, and, and when you see that song and when you see this passage of Scripture, it's not just the warning about neglecting your role as a parent. But, but what's here in these passages of Scripture is a warning that your children can come, become like you. That's the bigger warning here. It's not just that we neglect them and neglect time with them, but it's that they can become like us. Right? That's the deeper warning here, and that's what's going on. And it's never too early to examine the legacy that you're going to leave and, and be before them. And, uh, because, see, if the, if, the, if, if the guy had recognized in, uh, in the first verse uh, of that song, if he would have recognized there what was going to happen, he would have changed courses. If he would have recognized the legacy that he was going to, if he would have studied that out and thought about the legacy beforehand that he was going to leave, he would have done something different before he got to the end of the song and wound up finding my son, my boy, was just like me. He would have done something different if he would have thought about the legacy that he was going to leave his children and what was going to happen. And so that's what we want to talk about. What are you leading your children into today? What kind of legacy are you leaving them? What are you, what are you, what are you moving them into? Because listen to this. You can determine the legacy that you are building by examining the man you are becoming because the man you are becoming is what your children will end up reflecting. Let me, I'm going to say that again. 
Let me say it slowly. You can determine the legacy that you are building by examining the man you are becoming because the man that you are becoming is what your children will end up reflecting. My boy was just like me. My boy was just like me. Whatever I reflect to them, as whatever I'm becoming is what I'm going to reflect to them. And that's what they're going to emulate. Let's go to a key points in Jacob's life today because that's the story. And man, I, the Bible is so good. It is so good. Please don't think you can quit reading the Bible. Man, I've heard that story. Listen, this story is my story. I have read this story backwards and forwards. I feel like I am Jacob. I mean, this is one of my Old Testament characters. The prodigal son story, I've exhausted that thing. Or I thought I had, I preached it a hundred different ways, and I can't find the end of the bottom of it. Well, I have found another place I can't find the end of the bottom in, and it's the life of Jacob. And I, I really have learned that I stopped. I stopped short. I stopped at halfway through and I thought I had it and I don't. And this is so powerful today. What God has brought me into today that I feel like my legacy. I'm going, I'm moving into something uh, that, 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 that it, what, what I'm becoming. I'm, I'm becoming. I'm, I'm learning. For most of my life, I thought I had to get everything perfect and I, I thought I had to get everything just right and sanctification I thought was one brush of a stroke and I had to have it all together. And, and I've learned now, thank God, I'm being a little bit more gracious to myself as I get older to realize that God sanctifies us. Uh, it's a journey, it's over the years, right? That we're changing from image to image and glory to glory. And thank God. Thank God I'm not what I was yesterday. But thank God I'm changing. And thank God He's still going to change me next week and next year. And as long as I live until I see Him and I become like Him. And there's that final transformation that takes place. But I, I thought I knew where Jacob's journey led him. And I thought I knew where the, the transformation. I thought it was Genesis 32. I thought that was it. I thought that was the place. He got renamed there. And I thought that was where I was achieving to get to. Is the flesh is weakening, weakened, and Jacob is 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 uh, absolutely fixed, and everything's done. And that's what I've been kind of striving and emulating in, in in this guy's life. These are for our examples unto the ends of the earth. This is where I'm trying to achieve. And all of a sudden today, to get my bubble bursted and realize that wasn't the place that he really got total transformation. It really comes over in chapter 35. And, and I want to show you this in just uh, a moment. And I want to show you how this is a, a walk leading to holiness to be uh, demonstrated before his family and how it affects his family over here. So, so go with me to Genesis 35 or to be on the screen. And let's read chapter 35. And then we're going to go back because there's so much that happens to get us to chapter 35 in this life. So listen to what it says. God said to Jacob, arise, go to Bethel. And dwell there. Bethel's the house of the Lord. That's where Jacob met God. That's where he first meets God and the covenant is, is given. And he, I mean, this is, this is the place where, where he, 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 he meets with God, the house of God. Arise, go to Bethel, dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who appeared to him, to you, uh, or to Excuse me. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I've gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the timber tree that was near Shechem. And as he journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around him. There's a lot in this verse that if you don't know the rest of the story, it doesn't make sense why it's there. It doesn't, that doesn't make sense why this verse is here until in a minute I'm going to show you why it is here. Why is a 
why is he talking about all these things? And he's talking about a terror that's falling right here on the city uh, uh, around them. And we're going to find that out in just a, in a moment. As they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and called, upon, uh, the, called the place El Bethel because their God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother and Deborah here's another thing we got an obituary at the end of that that just does not make sense at the end of this worship session we've got an obituary uh, about a nurse that died it's not even uh, we don't even know when Rebecca died there's nothing even in scripture that tells us about Rebecca's death but we got something here about Rebecca's nurse why is an obituary at the end of a worship session that's going on do you read the Bible like this do you ask questions it's is not a book just to be skimmed over quickly. It's like there's reasons God put this stuff into Scripture. He's got a brilliant mind. He is unbelievable. And He put these things in there for a reason. So God appeared to Jacob again when He came to Padam Haran and blessed him. And here's what I never knew. And God said to him for a second time, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called, or your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. I only had seen it in chapter 32. I never knew he called, he named him twice again. And there's a reason that he names him twice again. Jacob has a very interesting story. I love this man's story. And a lot has happened prior to the, chapter 35. And did he, does anybody catch that? D- Daniel, you probably caught that. Did anybody know that, that, that he named him twice? Does anybody read that, know that? Yeah, it is. I mean, he calls him that when he wrestles with him. That's the verse I've always gone to about his name being rechanged. I never saw it here. I never saw in chapter 35 here that he comes and he renames him again and reaffirms that name twice. And so I want to recap the story so that we'll know where we're at coming up to verse 34, 35. So, so Jacob grew up in what we would call a dysfunctional Christian family. Okay? That's what we would that's how we would label him this Jewish man. He grew up in what would be a dysfunctional Christian family because his parents were godly. However, they had issues, right? They had issues. They tried to love God and they were serving God and that sort of thing, but they had issues. And one of the big issues that they had in the dysfunction that they had is each parent favored one of the children. Each parent favored one of the child, the, the children. Isaac favored Esau. And, and God had already told Rebekah that, 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 uh, that Esau was not going to be the son of the promise. That he was not going to be the one to receive the inheritance. He had already told her because she had this thing going on in her womb with these twins going on. And they were struggling in the womb. And she is wondering, what in the world is going on in my stomach? What is happening? And God answered answered her and said, there are two nations inside of your womb and the, the, young, the older one will serve the younger one. Now she had to have gone home and told Isaac that. She's not going to keep that news to herself. And if she didn't, then he doesn't have very much uh, perception and discernment. But here's the thing. And, and because of that, Isaac still favored Esau. And the reason Isaac favored Esau is because verse 28 of verse 25 of chapter 25 says, Isaac loved or favored Esau because he ate of his game. It was all about appetites. It was all about appetite. I can't wait i got to have it now. And Isaac wanted it now. I don't, give me the stew. Bring me your kill. Bring me, I want to feel daddy's belly. I want something to taste good, feel good, touch, smell. And, and so all of a sudden, he's, he is drawn to Esau. And then Jacob, the Bible, it says that she loves Jacob. And here's the problem with Jacob and with mama. Is, 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 see, mama is a deceiver. 
She's a deceptive woman because what does she do? She knows God has told her that Esau is not going to get the blessing that Jacob is. But what does she do? She takes matters into her own hands anyway and says, Go in, kill some some stuff, put on some fur so that you'll be hairy like your brother, and go in and deceive your blind daddy. Right? And here's the thing. Each child reflected the dysfunction and the dysfunctional behavior of their parent. Okay? So Esau is now a man of appetite and the belly. Hey, give me stew now. Give it to me now. And you can have that stupid birthright. Just like dad. And then we got mom over there, and we got Jacob, who we know his life. He becomes this trickster, this conniver. Every time he gets in a crisis, what does he do? He's trying to scheme his way out of it every single time. Time after time after time, he gets backed into a corner. He does it exactly like mama does. God's already said, I'm going to bring you through. You're the chosen. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what does Jacob do? Every time, he has got to go in and do something. He's got to go in and try to trick his way. He's got to go down and set the rods before this one and before that one. And so they, he's got to say, all this stuff with Laban, all this stuff here, all this stuff there. Hey, let's go. Let, hey, my brother's going to kill me. Let's divide the family up and let's, let's take him gifts. And look, if he kills this half, at least I'll have this half left. Rather than trusting God that God already said, I'm going to take care of you and, and all of that. He's like his mom. He's got this dysfunction. My, my boy was just like me. My boy was just like me. Right? Because this is what they were modeling before their children. And Jacob and Esau each reflected the dysfunctional behavior. Esau led by his own appetites. Jacob, conniving, deceiver. And, and, and Rebecca, uh, we know, tricked and, and takes matters into her hand. Each one reflects the, the, the behavior of their parent. And, and Jacob does experience supernatural pain, uh, pain. He does experience supernatural deliverance later. We begin to see that he... He has supernatural change. And it's not just once like I thought it was in chapter 32. It's again in chapter 35. We know the first encounter, he wrestles with the angel who we know is God. And he wrestles with the, the angel and he gets renamed there in that place. He's a broken guy. And he's at a point of just total brokenness and he wrestles with God. And at that point, God renames him. And at that point, where what Jacob learns, he learns to be honest about his sin. That, that, that's the place. And this is what I didn't realize. The second renaming has something I hope my boys see modeled now from here on out in my life. Because I feel like that's what I learned about Jacob at that first name changing. Is that he, he learned to be honest about his sin in that place. He was at such a broken place where all before he couldn't acknowledge. Because even when his daddy asked him, what is your name? When he came and he had the hair, he's like, something's not right about this. Give me, you know, you feel like Esau you kind of smell like Esau something's not right here he said what's your name and he said I'm he said I'm him I'm him he's deceiving he's lying he's tricked the trickster and now he's wrestling with God at this place in, in chapter 32. And God's got him, he's, he's pinned God and God's pinning him. And all of a sudden they're wrestling and, and God's saying, let me go. I won't let you go till you bless my soul. And then he says, what is your name? And for the first time, Jacob begins to be able to say, honestly, my name is Jacob. And some of us in this room can't do that. Even all these years later, you can't say, my name is, is, is pornographer. My name is lust. My name is liar. My name is thief. My name is murderer. My name is, is, is gossiper. My name is this or my name is that. And it's at that point where he is, he, he, he is renamed. He says, no, you're not that anymore. Yes, that's who you were. But now you're washed. You're clean. You're, you're chosen. You're forgiven. And you're no longer Jacob, but now your name is Israel as a prince with God. Amen? You've wrestled and you've, you've come through. But here's the thing. I didn't realize he's not fully changed. 
He's not completely changed at this point. He's renamed, but not completely transformed. Uh, There's still a real change that needs to come from Jacob and into Jacob's life. As I said, sanctification isn't all, I wish it was all at once. I wish we could just come down here and call everybody up and say, we're going to sanctify you today, and you're going to be holy and just like Jesus, and everything from your life is going to be gone, and and, and man, you're going to walk out perfect from here on out, but but, 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 but it, it's, a, it's a process that God and a journey that God is taking us through. And all of a sudden, uh, we, we see this in this life of Jacob. And the most overt transformation takes place in Genesis 35. Another way I know that about Jacob is because when he's wrestling with the angel, he, he, God says, what is your name? And do you notice he turns the tables, which, is a, which in that culture is like a power thing. And he turns the culture and he says, what's your name? And God says, we ain't here to talk about what my name is. I've been revealing my name to you over and over and over and over again to you. How merciful. And that I'm a God of covenant. I've been telling you who I am all along this journey. But you need to tell me who you are. And so he's still not there yet. And, 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 and there's this moment where real change, if, and the change that's going to take place where he is renamed again is found after, uh, it's in 35, but you gotta, you gotta, it, it's after he's honest with the sin that's going on, but, but you gotta go to chapter 34 if you're gonna understand how this comes about and where this change comes about and where something goes on that you'll understand some of the things that were going on in chapter 35. In chapter Chapter 34, he has a daughter by the name of, uh, of Dinah, and Dinah is raped. The Bible tells us she goes into the community to be with the daughters of the land, which was probably not a wise decision at that time. I'm not saying it was her fault what happened. I'm just saying it wasn't a very wise decision what she did. It was a risky situation, and all of a sudden she she gets into a place and she is raped. And here's the here's what happens: the guy who did it now has the audacity to say, I love her and I want to marry her. I really like this woman and I want to marry her. And so let's make this legal. Let's, let's, let's make this legal and let's make this okay. And rather than Jacob's boys, because here's what's happened now. Just my boy is just like me. You know, Rachel, my my girl, uh, Rachel has passed down now to Jacob what the deceiving, the conniving, the trickster. Over here, this undealt with stuff has been passed down to Esau, this, this craving for the flesh, these things. And now Jacob has passed this down to his sons. He has passed down the deceptiveness into his line as well. And, and we see this right here in this passage of Scripture because all of a sudden, these, the, he's called together now, the father of this man who is raped, trying to arrange this marriage to go on between Dinah and, and, and these brothers and this father Jacob. And right there, rather than saying, hey, uh, how they really feel, rather than really telling them exactly what, what they feel, you're a monster and we're taking our sister out of here you're you're, no way buddy you're you're out of your mind rather than doing that they decide let's follow dad's lead and let's deceive these men we're in a crisis this is how dad would do it let's deceive them and so you know how they deceive them Raymond they say here's the deal you could marry our people But you would have to be circumcised in order to marry our people. So here's what we'll do. If you get all the men in your company and all your town to agree to get circumcised, then you can marry our wives and we will marry yours and we will will be one big happy family and we'll share. And so here's what they did. They go back, they agree to this Shechem and they go back and they agree to this thing and then all of a sudden one day passes, two days pass since the knife is gone and on the third day the boys, Simeon and Levi, realize, Jacob's sons, they realize, they say, now is the worst of the pain. They, I can't remember it back when you're that small but I'd hate to have it done as a man but they must have been in some bad pain 
because all of a sudden they knew that three days later was some bad pain. And in that third day, there must have been the worst pain. These guys are in terror. They're rolling around. They're hurting. And so now's the time to make our move. They come in with their swords and they go in there and they kill every man there that is rolling around and that has been circumcised and they do away with them. Tricked them. Deceived them. Took matters into their own hand. This is how we'll deal with it. When Jacob finds out, Jacob goes berserk and he begins to ream these boys out because he says, you don't know what you've just done. Do you know what you've just done? These guys, they were weak. We had them down, they were weak. And you went in there and killed them at a moment of their weakness. But these guys, when, they, when, this, when this, all this is over, they're going to come down on us. They, we're small. They're many. They're going to come down on us and they're going to destroy us. And now Jacob's in a crisis. And every other crisis, Jacob has done the exact same thing that these guys are doing, that they learn in him. But I want you to look from Genesis 34 to Genesis 35 is one continuous story. We, we, we chop them up in chapters. There is no interlude here. This goes from one chapter right to the next. And I want you to look at the end of chapter, uh, verse, ch chapter 34, and I want to read it right into chapter 35, and I want you to see what happens. Look at what it says. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making Making me stink to, to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few, and if they gather themselves against me to attack me, I shall be destroyed, both me and my household. But they said, should you treat our sister like a prostitute? Now I want you to see what it goes straight into verse 35. And God said to Jacob. God didn't say to Simeon. And God didn't say to Levi. He comes straight to the pastor. He comes straight to the, to the, the, the father of the home. And God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. God interrupts Jacob's come to Jesus moment with these boys. He is reaming them out. They just put the entire family at risk. And God's command to these boys of how to get out of this crisis and what to do in this situation is not to connive and not to scheme anymore. He says, No, Jacob... Go back to Bethel. Go back to the place where we met. Go back to the place where it started. Go back to the place where you learned about me. And, and again, Jacob is facing the greatest crisis of his life right now. He's realizing his sons have wound up just like him. And they put the entire family at risk. And, by, and, and, and now God is calling Jacob to a new place of holiness. He's calling him to another moment like he did where now he's admitted his sin but he's saying now i got to call you to another place of holiness you're, you're being sanctified from glory to glory to glory and if you're going to leave a legacy what these boys are watching in your life you're going to have to be changing you're going to have to be transformed and you're going to have to be thinking about this so that you don't wind up missing in verse 1 and ended up and finding they're just like you you've got to look at the legacy along the way and be watching so that you can change things and Jacob I'm bringing you to a place in this crisis now where I want to do something different. i got to rename you again. I want to change you. I want to change something in this path to holiness in your life. And by calling Jacob to this new place of holiness, ah, beautifully, maybe he's older, maybe he's 51, maybe he's getting older and he's slowing down and he's got grandchildren and he's starting to think better. And all of a sudden, Jacob obeys. And here's what Jacob does. He, he, he comes and he gets the family together this time. And he gets them all together and he says, no more compromises. He says, no more He says, we're cleaning house. He said, we are going to do what God says and it begins with this guy. He says, we're going to do it, and it begins with dad. And he said, we are, he said, we, he, he said, give me all your foreign gods, give me all your idols, get, bring your ritual jewelry, bring everything you're wearing. We are burying it, we are leaving it behind. He says, change your clothes, wash your bodies, and prepare to meet with 
God. We are going to meet God. Look at what verse 35.3 says. Then let us arise, go to Bethel, so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. Jacob does not just come in as if he were going to say, I'm dad, I'm large and in charge. This is the way it's going to be. You boys have messed things up and here's what's happening. No, he looks at, he looks at how he's leading and he says, hey, he shares his testimony. This is so powerful. He shares his testimony with this family. He begins to tell them things about himself. He says, I've been really neglectful along the way. And he begins to say, I've let a lot of things slide. I've, turned, I've been passive. I've, I've let some things slide. I've turned a blind eye. When I disciplined, I didn't. When I, when I should have done some things, I like, like, like not compromise, I compromise. And he said, I messed up some of these things. And he begins to share a testimony. And he says, there's only one thing that, uh, that, that, that I know to do. And it's not connive anymore. It's not shift around. He said, the only thing I know to do now is we must cry out to God to get out of this situation, Daniel. That's the only thing. I can't connive. I can't do it behind your back. Try to fix it and make myself look good to the family. I can't wait and let it fix itself. No, I can't, I can't be passive. I can't do that. No, I've got to run to God. I've got to run to the God that got me out of the mess way back in 94. I got to run to the God that got me out of that mess up. I got to run to the God that got me out of that pickle. I got to run to the God that got me out there. We're going to Bethel. Get rid of all the mess. We are going back to the God who got me out of everything. And he cries out to God. He shows his family his story. He shows them a visible faith. They get to see a visible faith. A visible faith walked out. And and they can so so what they can see then is okay, whatever dad is calling us to right now, it's real to him. It's real. This thing is real. No, he's calling us to something he is experiencing, and it's real. And it's visible, and they can see this transparency in the heart. And that, that testimony, rather than coming in, I'm dad, I'm large and in charge. No, he shows them this, 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 this testimony. He shows them his life. He shows them this visible faith, and it wins the heart of his children. And they say, Dad, if it's that real, here, take the earrings, take the false gods. And here's the deal, when you buried false gods in that day, when you, Cindy, when you buried that, you better, you better know the God you're going with is better than those gods, because if not, He's coming after you. And so you better know. So they were assured, their daddy, and what he's doing and what he's asking us to do right now, this is real faith. And so they know there's been a transformation, not only that he's acknowledging his sin, but something's breaking off of his life now that was there by his mama. My boy is just like me. He's moving on. Something's dying. Something's being severed now of the things that used to hold him and mold him and drag him down in the past and cause him to compromise and do these things. And that's what's so interesting about the obituary. There's no other reason for the obituary to be in this passage of Scripture. It should go from Jacob, because he takes the family of Bethel, and the family goes there, and they begin to, not only to, to, to call upon God, they begin to worship God. He begins to be transparent in his worship and say, it's God who did this. It's God who got your daddy out of this mess. It's God who, hey, I've been a conniver, but God brought me through. They saw the real, they saw the transparency, and he was unashamed to worship God in that state. Come on, family, we're going to worship God because it's him. It's him who got your parents through the marriage when I was a rascal. It's him. Worship the God who got us through this, who will get us through this. It's God. And so there's no complaint by the family. Look at what they say in verse 4. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the timber tree that was near Shechem. And again, if you throw them away, you better know the God you're following is is stronger. And this is an act of explicit faith on Jacob's family. Uh, whoever's Whoever dad's God is, we believe in him. That's what they were saying. We're going with dad's God. That's who we're following. And that's what they did. And that's where we come to verse 5. And it says, and as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue Jacob and his sons. Well, now we know why that's there. Because these knucklehead boys followed daddy's lead 
and about got them all killed. And this time God gets them out of the crisis when they go back to Bethel and turn to God. Go back to the beginning, Jacob, where you met me and you learned about my ways and you learned about me. And when he went back there, what does it say? He causes a terror to go on all those people that are around. All their enemies are afraid now of Jacob and them. Not because Jacob's scheming and saying, let's split the people and let's go out here and let's go out there and let's go there. No, Jacob is finally, the past has been, he's, he's cutting off mama, mama's ways. Finally. Finally, he's leaving those, not just saying I acknowledge that I got sin. No, he's leaving mama's ways behind. And, he's, and now he's changed. He's a changed man. And that's why he's going to get the new name. That's why God's going to call him by a new name again. And so he goes from verse 6 to 8. You would think it would go from, from there. Verse 6 to 8, you would go into this time of worship. And you would think that it would skip right over and go to the end where he names him. But there's something right stuck in the middle. One verse. Where it talks about Rebecca's nurse dying. And I believe what that signifies is the end of the previous generation. It signifies a death. A death. Something that was. Jacob, this is what you were. But now all that's dead. And he puts that there, right in there. The end of something. The, the past sinful influences. See, he could name his sin, but these sinful influences still had a hold on him. And sons, that's where I apologize to you because I have, I've been able to acknowledge my sin since 1994 when God wrestled with me. But I have not been able to whip the sinful influences in my life. And it has caused me to make some bad decisions. And that's why I relate to Jacob so well. Areas where I should have confronted people, where I should have fought, where I should have done this, where I should have let, not been so soft and been the disciplinarian. There have been influences in my life that, that, that I, have, I have allowed to come in and, 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 and keep me uh, to, 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 to having to scheme and to connive. And I want to come to this place with Jacob where those influences die and I'm renamed in this place and I go in to the place where God has for me where the sinful influences of the past are completely, completely gone. And that's what happens here. That in, in chapter 20, 32, God renames Jacob when he's honest about his sin. And now in chapter 35, Jacob learns how to break off the sinful influences from the past. And God renames him again. And uh, he, he learned how to deal with the demons that had shaped him. And we all got demons that have shaped us. Come on. We all have demons that have shaped us and influences from the past that have shaped us. And he found the way forward. And he found the way forward was that only God can fix this. It ain't going to be Brad trying to read enough self-help. It's not going to be Brad uh, doing this or doing that or trying harder or, 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 or coming up with a good uh, intellectual plan. It's only God. It's only God that can fix this. It's only God that can break these influences off of Brad's life and help me move forward with a legacy that my children can look at and they can say, you know what, Dad went a long way in God, but now we're going further in God. Where they're even better because of those influences being broken off of our lives. And where a new day dawns and a renaming takes place. So let me give you four quick takeaways as we close. Four takeaways from this story of Beth, going to Bethel and in Jacob's life. Number one, number one, this is for all of us. This is not just for dad. Four takeaways from this story. And the first is this. Holiness is a journey. Holiness is a journey. I, 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 I did not know this when I first got saved at Limwood. Not because of Limwood, but because I, I just, I, I didn't. I, I thought I had to be perfect and holy and, 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 and never make another mistake and, and, and this and that. And, and it's, it's, it's such a, I can breathe a sigh of relief when I learned about the new covenant and found out, wait, I, I, I don't have to have it all together. Christ has it all together. And he's doing something in Brad. And he's bringing me on this journey. And, and, and so uh, the real encounter with God, as we said, happened in chapter 32. 
But that wasn't everything he needed. And that's sadly, I've been living in chapter 32. I thought that was all I needed. But there's more. There's chapter 35. Your journey towards being sanctified and being like God, it's a journey. It's not a single altar call. I wish it was. I wish we could call you up here today and that would be it. But it's not. It's a journey. So understand, number one, from this story, that holiness is a journey. No, that, that, that it's a journey to being sanctified. Number two, the second big takeaway is that you and I need to be honest about ourselves and about our sin and we seem to have a problem with this we need to be honest with ourselves and about ourselves and about our sin what is your name Jacob what is your name and he said my name is Jacob my name is liar my name is insecure my name is lust my name and be honest with yourself about your sin because we're masters at making ourselves seem not as bad as we are we're masters of that because we want to be admired and the only way you're going to get earn respect and honor from your family is not by conniving and acting like you're something that you're not. Because most of the time, we can all see through that anyway. But when they're going to honor and respect you is when you have a story and a testimony before them and you're honest with them. When you're honest, they're going to admire you, not that, you, that you, you had a bad past or something went on or you messed up last week. They're going to admire you when you're real and when they can trust you and when they see your life that you, that you were honest. So the second way, big takeaway is Jacob had to come to a place where he was honest with himself about his sin. I'm Brad. I was a mess before Christ. I've been a mess after Christ. I've had a lot of influences that have messed my life up, and I've made a lot of bad things. I didn't parent the best that I should have or well, but, but I was seeking God, and I want to, to be more like God every day of my life, and He's sanctifying me, and I'm not afraid to say what the things that are in my life that are sinful. I've said them from here. I've said them too much to ad nauseum. I need to quit, but, 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 but I'm not afraid to do that. The third takeaway is to have the courage to deal with your demons. Have the courage to deal with your demons. Jacob's final step to transformation was found in breaking the cycle began in his mother. And he didn't go call her and say, you ruined my life. Or his dad, you ruined my life. How dare you pass this down to me and all this. You deal with your demons by calling on God. That's the way forward. That's the way you move forward. You, how do I break the cycle so that my children don't end up like this? You, 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 you don't let bitterness go inside of there. You don't let it grow, which I did for a long time, and I apologize to you guys for that. But you, 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 you call on God. That's how you heal from these things. That's how you heal from the wounds of the past. You say, God, come, help me. Help me heal in these places so that I don't grow up with an image that my boys become just like me. Right? Help me to grow up and to break these things off so that they can see an image and a legacy that's left that will help them go further in God and then they'll even go further than that. And the fourth and last one is give your family a visible testimony. Give them a visible testimony. When the family could be destroyed, when it was about to be destroyed, he calls them to holiness and to worship. That's what Jacob does. That's what God does. He, he wasn't shy to say, God did this. He wasn't shy to say, God, it's God that did this. It's God that helped us. It's God that got us out of the financial mess. It's God. Let them see the ugly parts of the story. Sometimes we don't let, we, we don't let them see the real. Your parents, sometimes, especially in church, we're all plastic and facade and wear these Bibles. And, and I'm not saying revel in it, but I'm also saying, don't look like you ain't never sinned before in your life and quit acting to your kids like you never did anything. They need to see something real and because they're struggling with something. And then sometimes they're thinking, man, my daddy and mama never struggled with anything. People in the church never struggle with anything. I'm an oddball. What's wrong with me? I want to do some bad things. Bless Jesus. I've never ever had a temptation in all my life. I love God. I'm whistling all the time, singing Amazing Grace. And I never have a bad day. Right? But I can tell by the look on your face that that's not the truth. Right? Now, I don't, the flip side of that, every time we get up, oh, woe is me, my testimony today, Jesus, you know, and we sound pathetic. But, but we need to be real. 
Let them see the ugly parts of your story, and it was God. Your daddy did some terrible things when he was young and not a hurt, but God got me through. Don't follow me. Follow God. Don't do the stupidity things that I did. Follow God. He got me out of them. Any notions that kids must have some perfect image of their fathers is a lie. Jesus was real. We need real. We need visible testimony. We need real. It needs somebody that needs to be real. They need to see your struggle. They need to see you pray. Now, there's a time and an age to do those sort of things. But let them see. What is, what is the mold that we are calling our sons and daughters to conform to is the question. Let me close with this. Holiness is a journey. And I do not have to have it all together. But I want to live a life of movement towards those things. And I want my sons And their families to be able to watch me do that. Let me say that one more time. Holiness is a journey. And I do not have it all together. But I want to live a life of movement towards those things. And I want my son's families to be able to watch me do that. And that's what Jacob's story is all about. And as Paul Harvey says, now your dad understands the rest of the story. Amen. Father, Lord, with your help and with your grace, I'm going to live this way. I'll not serve foreign gods. God, I believe there's people here today, and Lord, maybe there's a group here, and they, they, they're, they're, they're at a place where they need to be renamed, God. They need to come to the place where when you ask them, what's your name? Well, I go to church. Well, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm a pretty good person. No, what's your name? Oh, I, I got a good job. I work at... No, what's your name? And God, there's some here that need to be able to be honest with their sin. My name is this. My name is that. And then, God, you'll change that name. No, you're no longer a liar. You're no longer a thief. You're no longer a murderer. And such were some of you, but you've been washed. You've been cleansed. But, God, I believe there's a greater portion that maybe have come to the place like the second place. Where we need to come and we need to say, God, I want to break the influences of the past off my life. I want to break the influences of the past. I want them off of my life. God, I know there's things that my sons, that I've, that they've, that I've modeled before them that, that now they've taken on that they don't need to. God, may they break those influences from their mother. God, that, that may they break those influences off and go further, God. And Lord, may, may our name, may we move further into holiness. And may our names be changed, God. May we be renamed again in this place, God. And so, Father, today, God, as we sing and worship here in closing, God. Lord, if there's somebody here, God, that just needs to come to this altar, maybe, and break off the influences of the past, God, or just come and spend time with you, God, and just to say, God, it's a new day. Change my name again. And Lord, we want that today, God. So, Father, we're just going to worship you, God. We're going to do what Jacob did, Lord, in a moment of crisis. We're going to just turn to you and call on God. Call on God for our families. Call on God for our families and call on you, God, the God who who brings us through and is more than enough. So, Father, we just love you and give you the praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen.